So today, we're going to be talking about prayer. And it's not that we've never talked about prayer in the past. We have many times, but there's just a lot to talk about when it comes to what does it mean to really pray. Jesus talked about this topic a lot. And he also spent a lot of time praying. If you go back and read the Gospels, you can hear Jesus' his, his, uh, presentation of why we should pray. And then we can also see examples of him taking himself away from the crowds of people and going up to the mountains and, or taking them or going out to a boat or whatever and spend time in prayer. Larry, could I have my slides, please? So let me start um, this with a couple questions. Uh, we're going to be talking about a parable. And a parable is a story that Jesus often uses to bring up, bring the truth out. Um, and um, parables are very well-designed uh, discussion topics that Jesus used very well. But let me ask a couple questions this morning about prayer. And this, these are questions for you to think about. Don't raise your hands. But think about your answers to these questions as we begin to talk about what it means to be a praying person. First of all, do you have a regular prayer life? Is prayer a priority in your life? Do you take the time either to begin your day or end your day in prayer? Is it a struggle for you to pray? Do you find yourself too busy to pray? Do you believe prayer to be an important part of your Christian faith? When you pray, if you pray, do you think that God hears your prayers? Do you think he's going to answer your prayers? Why is it hard to pray? I've asked a lot of questions. And there's lots of different viewpoints on prayer. So today I want to talk about a parable that Jesus talks about. Talks about the persistence in prayer. Now, this parable is, I believe, very significant for us to understand, especially today and in the days that we're living in, as we're getting toward the end of days. Because there's a question that Jesus asks at the end of the parable about faithfulness. And he asked the question at the end, will he find faith on the earth? Faith is related to prayer. Faith and prayer go together. So Jesus gives a parable about this persistent widow bringing her request for justice to this unjust judge. And then Jesus gives his perspective on it. And then at the end of all that, he asks a very important yet rhetorical question. He says, will I find faith on earth? When I come back, will I find people that are praying? So to understand this parable better, we need to understand maybe what brought this about. Just prior to this chapter, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. But just prior to Luke chapter 18 and verse chapter 17, Jesus is was asked a question by the Pharisees about things in the end times. And then he 
proceeded to talk to Jesus, proceeded to talk about to his disciples about what are going to be the signs of the end times. And he goes into great detail uh, in Luke chapter 17, talking about the end times. And basically, Jesus is recognizing that without having a God-centered life, men will be very vulnerable to the relentless attacks of the enemy especially and even more so as time draws to an end. And that's why Jesus brings that question that I've already asked about will he find faith in the earth because he knows that there's going to be a real battle in the lives of people to be faithful. And prayer is certainly one of the things that we're to be faithful in. So that's why I'm talking about this today. Last week... We talked about the importance of being together as the body of Christ in the, in the form of the church. Again, especially as we're moving toward the end days, which I firmly believe that we are living in the end days today. We are in the end of the end days, I believe. So today we're going to be talking about another very vital, important thing that we need to be doing as the body of Christ when we do come together. And that is we need to pray and we need to believe that There's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Even though sometimes we don't see it, maybe we don't believe it. Can I just say that there's a liar out there called the devil, and he will try to take away your perception of the power of prayer. And that's why we need to talk about it today. So in our in our our text is Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read the first eight verses. You can turn in your Bible, or you can look on the screen. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Father, help us, Lord, to understand this parable that you that you gave so many years ago and for the context of their day help us to find that context in our day today and help us to understand what you would have us to glean from this and that we would then apply it and that we would become obedient and more willing to be a true servant of Christ and i pray this in jesus name amen so as we dig into this parable it's obvious that jesus is concerned that his disciples learn to be consistent and diligent in prayer so that they can accomplish God's will in their life. He's got some very specific purposes for them as their as disciples of his, and, and one of the best ways for them to glean that and to gain that insight is through consistent and persistent prayer. And so Jesus tells this story about a persistent widow that is seeking justice from a hard and unjust 
judge. Now, we don't know any details about the widow's problems. We don't know any details about what her injustice is because that's not pertain, that's not relevant to the story. That's not important. And parables just often talk about the important points and not everything you have to take in the parable maybe means everything to the story. We don't know anything about the name of the judge. We don't know anything about him other than the fact that he presides over the area that she lives in and he's the only source of justice for her to go to. So she has to go to him. She can't go to any other person to get justice. We also know that he's a very evil man. He's not a God-fearing man. And he admits it. He even said that I, even though I, I don't fear God, nor do I fear what people think of me, I, that's just not who I am. I'm a very, I'm just who I am. I'm the man of the hour and I know it. I know my power. And because this lady has keep coming to me over and over again, she's just wearing me out. I'll give her justice, but not because I want to, not because she deserves it. That's just the kind of judge that he is. So we know that this woman is very vulnerable. And she's needing help from this very powerful yet corrupt man. But it's important that we take notice on how he gives in to her demands. Luke chapter 18, verses 4 and 5, he says, But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. And then what does Jesus say about this? Jesus says in verse 6, he says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? So, obviously here Jesus is not saying that God is like the unjust judge. Don't Don't read that into this parable. God is not unjust. God is not uncaring. God is just the opposite. He's very caring about people. He will give justice and he does not waver in that. So what can we learn from this parable? When we know that God is who he is and God will not only give justice, but he gives justice to to his children. He's, he's, He's listening to the cries of his people. Those that call him father, he is listening to their their cries. So what do we learn from a parable like this? Well, one of the things that we can take away is that prayer is our means of communicating with God. Prayer is the concept. Prayer is the process. Prayer is the ordained way that God has established for man and God to communicate. It's as simple as that. Let's not try to make it any more complicated. God has something he wants to share with you and I. And the way that we share information is that we have a dialogue. We ask to God and then we listen to God. It's the same way that he's designed human interaction. It's no different. Prayer is not putting on a certain piece of clothing or putting on a certain, you know, set music or whatever and getting yourself, you know, some type of a frenzy. Prayer is simply talking to God, simply expressing yourself to God. It's no different than when I and you, you and I have face-to-face communication. We have a dialogue and we have many forms of communication. We can talk face-to-face. We can talk over the phone. Today's technology, we can text each other. 
We can FaceTime each other. We can have Zoom call meetings. We can, there's many, many ways of communication. There's many forms. But the intent is all the same. The intent is that we have some information to share. I have something that you need and you need, you need something that I have. The problem though is that if we're not willing to communicate, we can't help each other's needs. We can't help each other if I'm not willing to share what I have, the knowledge that I have, no matter how badly you need it. If you're not willing to ask me for it, and if I'm not willing to give it, then there's no communication. Put this on a big scale. God has all of our answers. He has all the answers to life's issues. And not only does he have them, but he's desiring to give them. He's not like the unjust judge that we have to go beg him. He's not saying that at all. But until we take the time to communicate with him, he can't help us. Even if he has the answer, and he wants to give me the answer, if I'm not willing to ask, he can't help me. Does that make sense? But here's a hard part of prayer. And I wish I had a better answer to this. Because so often that we do pray, and maybe we don't get the answer that we want. Maybe we are taking the time to ask God and going to Him, and yet He doesn't answer the prayer quickly, or maybe He doesn't answer the prayer in the way that we think He should answer the prayer. And so now we get hung up here a little bit because what does all this mean? If I'm praying and God's not answering, what's the problem? Is it God or is it me? Well, like I said before, prayer is a mystery. I don't have all the the the, the equation down, but I do know this much. I think that we can recognize that God has measures our motives and he measures our heart when we pray. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, James says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Number one, we do not ask God. Verse 3, but when you do ask and you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So maybe we're asking God, with the wrong heart. Maybe we have, we have the misconception, I think, that if I pray, if I'm going to take the time to pray, then God's obligated to answer me the way I want Him to answer me. Um, remember, who's bigger than who? Right? We talked about that. Is our problems bigger than God, or is God bigger than our problems? Are we bigger than God, or is God bigger than us? You know, this reminds me, do you remember back long time ago in the 60s, 70s, a, a, a TV show called I Dream of Jeannie. I remember that show. Yeah, you can tell us how old we are, doesn't it? <laughs> but in that show, there was an astronaut. His name was was Tony Nelson. And he washed up on a de- deserted island, and he found this this bottle that was rolling around in the sand all by itself. And he picked up this bottle, and he went to clean it off. And when he cleaned it off, out popped Jeannie. You know, Barbara Eden, Jeannie. And, uh, boy, this was uh, a great, th- a great find for this guy because all of a sudden he had a genie that would give him every wish that he wanted. Remember that show? 
Well, we would have thought that this would have greatly simplified this man's life. But in reality, what did it do? It caused all kinds of problems, didn't it? Because all of a sudden, here he had this genie that he could ask to do anything he wanted to do, and he had no idea most of the time when he did it, or his um, his sidekick, um, I don't remember his name, remember his name? Roger. Roger who? Roger Heal. Wow, Larry, good job. Roger Heal. You've been watching reruns, haven't you? That's what he does all day, Jackie. He's watching I Dream of Genie. He thought he was working all this time. But uh, anyway, when they start asking Jeannie questions and they and she starts answering, you know, ans- and giving them the wishes, uh, all of a sudden life gets real complicated because maybe they're not foreseeing really what's best for them. They get what they think they want because they got this genie that will give it, and all of a sudden life gets complicated. And you know, sometimes we think God is our genie. And maybe that's the problem. When we go to God in prayer, we are thinking that we're just rubbing the magic lamp and out pops God and says, God, okay, God, no, now give me the answers that I want you to give me when I pray. And can I just say, thank the Lord he doesn't always do that. Now, sometimes we get the answers we want. I admit that. That's great. But I'm going to say most times we probably don't. Why is that? Is it because God's not a good God? Well, that's what the devil wants you to think. That's what your adversary wants you to think. He wants you to think that God doesn't answer you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you because he's not answering the prayers the way you want. And God's sitting up there and saying, you know what? I'm answering the prayers and what I know what's best for you. You think you know what's good for you? Well, you're only looking at it through earthly eyes. But I'm seeing things through spiritual, long-term, eternal eyes. This is God speaking. And God says, I will answer your prayers, which I know are best for you. And that brings us that point of contention because it's like I'm praying and God's not answering. Well, I'm saying he is answering, but he's answering in ways that are best for you, not necessarily what's what I think is best for me. And when I can grab that concept, all of a sudden I think it can help me understand more the power of prayer because now I'm not just asking God and I'm expecting him to, to be my genie in a bottle. No, I can now begin to trust him with the answer that he gives me, whether I like it or not, as the being the best for me, and now I have to learn how to work through that in my life. And that's what we're going to hopefully get out of this, this parable today. Because the devil will want us to give up on our prayers. If we don't get what we want, then he'll tempt you to say, why even pray in the first place? God's not caring. He's not listening. He doesn't love you. He's not a good God. So stop praying. Stop believing that God has your best interests in mind. And eventually, the devil will have you lose your faith completely in God. That's the enemy's plan. And that's why Jesus begins his parable in Luke 18.1. He said, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. That's the vital element that I think that we're missing. That we pray a little while, we don't get the answer that we want, maybe our son or daughter's not saved or whatever the prayer is, that we're, and we just eventually give up on it. And what God is saying is, no, 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 I want you to persist in your prayers. And again, that doesn't mean that we don't have faith. 
persisting in prayers does not mean that we don't have faith. What it really means is that I do have faith, and I'm continuing to take it before God, and I continue to lay it before him over and over again, knowing that he will answer it in his timing and in the way that he knows was best. So that's one thing we can learn. Another thing we can learn that in this life, we will face injustice. This widow had something in her in her life that was that needed she needed justice on it. She needed to have the the issue resolved, whatever it was. And again, we don't know what the issue is because our issues are so varied we couldn't even begin to put it in a category. She just had something that she needed justice on. And so in this life, recognize that you will face things that are not fair. It's just the way it is, right? I don't think there's any surprise here. We will face injustice. And we have an adversary that is totally against us in every aspect and detail of our life. He's out to take our injustices that we face and he's out to really make them really as devastating as they can be. And he's out to deceive us in every injustice that we have. Our enemy is a roaring lion. First Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then verse 9 says something very interesting. It says, Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Again, this is like we said at the beginning. It's time for us to stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. That's what it means to stand strong in your faith. That when the enemy comes around you and is trying to devour you with lies and deception and maybe even real injustices, we don't become offended. We don't become um, overtaken by that. Rather, we, t- we stand strong in our faith and we start telling the devil, no, you need to know how big our God is. And then watch him flee. So that's, that's one of the things that we can have to recognize, that we are going to have injustices in this life. And there's a few benefits of consistent prayer. One of, the, one of prayer's main benefits is that prayer, consistency in our prayer, gives us protection from the attacks of the enemy when he does come. The enemy is determined to make you give up. He's determined to overtake you. So when I pray, when I come into God in a consistent prayer life, does that mean that God will prevent all the bad things from happening in my life? Do you think so? What has your experience been? See, it doesn't mean that no nothing bad will happen. And, and unfortunately, that's where we go initially. Most people, if not everyone, will go into a situation where they'll take a perspective of, it's me first, God. When I pray, I'm expecting you to take away all my problems. That when I become a Christian, all of a sudden, my life is going to get better. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever been told that? Yeah, and see, just because we pray doesn't mean that the enemy's going to stop attacking. In fact, most, I will, most times I will say the more you pray, the more he attacks. So just so you know what you're doing, you've got to get yourself into the right mindset. So I can't promise you that your life is going to get easier. I can't promise you that all your prayers are going to get answered just the way you want them. But I can promise you that God will make good 
on his promises. What are some of his promises? John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I have told you these things. What were these things he was telling them? He was telling them basically what I just told you, that you're going to have problems in life. That life's going to come at you, and it's going to make you look cross-eyed at some things because you just don't understand what's happening. Kind of like what's happening in our world right now. Jesus, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have injustices in this world. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. That's for you. That's a promise that you can stand on. You, see what? you, take, you, you stand firm in your faith. This is one of the promises that you stand firm on, that Jesus says that you are to take heart because he has overcome the world. So prayer may not prevent the attacks from coming, but prayer will certainly give you and give myself a strength to overcome the attack and the attacker when they do come. By me making a consistent and a regular pattern of prayer in my life, it's developing a relationship with God that I can then have confidence that he will take and deliver me from the attacks of the enemy. I love that. I mean, that to me gives me my purpose for praying. A major purpose in praying is I know that God's on my side. And the closer I stay to him, the better for all of us. Amen? Another fact, another major benefit we get from God is that we get to know God's heart better. We get closer to him. We get to understand what he wants better. A person that is getting to know God's heart is developing a more active pathway for God to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in my life. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the more I ask God to show me his will in my life, the more I ask, the more he can. Because I'm trying to develop a relationship with him. So, But if I put it simply, if I don't ask, he can't show me. If I give up on prayer, if I don't think it's, if I don't think it's important, I don't ask. And he can't show me. Like the first verse, or the first part of James 4, 2, he says, you do not have because you do not ask God. That's the first step, is that we have to get to the point where we are regular in our asking. Regular in our commitment to come before God, even though we don't understand necessarily what we're asking for. We just come to God and ask. Another thing that a consistent prayer life can result in is that the more time I spend with God, the more opportunity I give him to guide me in understanding his His needs or his will. You see, God doesn't promise to answer every prayer that I have, but he does answer, he does promise to answer the prayers that are lined up with his will. Does that make sense? That's why we pray in the Holy Spirit, because when I pray in the Spirit, my the Holy Spirit is praying what's in my heart, and he prays according to the perfect will of God. And when we pray according to the will of God, God promises to answer those prayers that line up with his will. See, that genie in a bottle concept is that thing that says, God, I, I, I really want something. I, I really have my mind set on a really nice pink Cadillac because I would look good in it, especially if it was a convertible. Right? And God's looking at me and says, no, Mike, pink's not your color. Don't you know that? <laughs> and you don't need a Cadillac. You don't need a convertible in, in, in Charlevoix. No, you need a, you need an SUV. 
You need something with a hard top that's got four-wheel drive and with, with with tires that aren't, you know, the fanciest tires. But, no, God, I really want that pink Cadillac. And, and if I get that pink Cadillac, I'm going to be stuck in the first snowbank I see. And God's saying, Mike, I, I have it better for you if you just listen to me and, under, and let me give you what I have. And you see, and so that's why God doesn't promise to answer every prayer that I want because he knows what I need. And he knows what you need. And so when we pray according to God's will, and again, how do I know God's will? I know God's will because I spend more time in prayer getting to know God. It's a circle. The more I know God, the more I know his will. The more I know his will, the more he can answer my prayer. And then the more fulfilled my life can be. And that way I'm not as susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy lies to me all the time. And so when I line myself up with God's will, something amazing happens. First John five fourteen and 15, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to what? According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Again, this is not asking and thinking I'm going to get the pink Cadillac, but I'm asking what is, I'm, going, I'm asking according to God's will in my life. And the best way for me to know God's will is to spend more time in prayer. It's that communication aspect that we have to develop. If I don't communicate with you, I don't know what you expect of me, right? If you and I don't have a relationship, how can I know what's pleasing to you? If you and I don't have a relationship where we talk, how do I know what's pressing on your heart? How do I know what's bothering you? The only way we can know each other is for us to have a communication. It's the same thing with God. Now, yes, God knows my heart, but that doesn't mean that he's going to give me the desires of my heart when I'm not taking time to communicate with him and faithfully asking him, to work in my heart to know, to, so that I can know his will. That's so important for us to understand. Persistent prayer makes the impossible possible. Persistence in our prayer makes the impossible possible. Nothing is impossible to God. Nothing is impossible. We've just talked about, especially if it's his will, he can move a mountain. He can create a mountain. If he can create it, he can move it, right? That's why we can tell God when we are in his will, we're in his presence, we are in close communication with him. That's why we have the confidence to tell our problems how big our God is because we are close to him and we're in his will. If I'm off in the weeds someplace, God's not my genie in the bottle. Understand that. I think that's where the world gets off base. I think that's where many claim it name it, claim it, prosperity teachers get off base because they think they take God's word out of context. It's important that we recognize that God will answer the impossible for us as I stay tuned into him. And that's why I go back to how Luke 18 ends it. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is how the parable of the persistent widow relates to the end times. Because if I don't have a persistent commitment to prayer, where I'm continuously seeking God's plans for my life, then I am very susceptible to fall prey of the discouragement of the enemy. And I will then probably then not be found faithful 
because I will have fallen trapped to what the enemy has laid in my life. It's only as we persistently seek God's kingdom that we can ask him to change our heart. Maybe the, maybe the biggest problem we need to change in our problem is not the problem, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to have God change the way I perceive the problem. Maybe the problem is me. Maybe my heart needs to change. And see, I don't, I would never know that if I didn't spend time in prayer asking God, God, what is the issue here? What's the real root of the problem? I know it's easy to put band-aids on problems, right? But how well do band-aids solve the problem? They don't. They just cover it up a little bit it's, or it scabs over until that problem happens again. It rips the scab off and the bleeding starts all over again. Why? Because I didn't get to the root of the problem. And that's what prayer does. When I go to God in prayer and I ask him to really reveal to me what's really going on, most of the time it requires surgery on my heart. I am most of the time the biggest proponent or the biggest cause of my problems. Amen? Do you find that in your life as well? That many of the times that I go after these issues, it's really because I'm chasing after the wrong thing. I'm chasing after what the world offers. The world doesn't offer peace. The world doesn't offer a solution. The world is controlled by the enemy, and the enemy is a liar. Jackie, would you come, please? So the point of this parable is not that God doesn't want to give us something and that we have to wear him down like the like this widow had to wear down this unjust judge. It's not it at all. That's not the point. God loves to give grace. And he gives grace to the humble, and he gives grace to those that ask. He's a just God, and he's faithful to give justice. So we need to stop fretting about some of the things we fret about. I know I get really upset. I get really wound up when I watch the news. And all the stuff, all the injustice that's going on right now in our political system and in our world. And I can get really uptight about that. And God's trying to get me to say, stop it, Mike. That's not the problem anyways. That's not the real root of the problem. The root of the problem goes much deeper than what you're seeing on TV. So I need to understand that God will account for every action. It's his job to judge. It's his job to give justice. Not my job. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, rest assured that the enemy is only going to become more intense in his coming against us. And again, that's why we have to consistently pray. The more the enemy can keep us out of our prayer closet, the more vulnerable we become to become faint-hearted and we want to give up. And listen, I don't say any of this at all today to bring condemnation on us. I don't. I'm doing this to give education so that we can become aware of how we're going to be successful and how we're going to be a victor. I will, I will admit prayer is difficult at times, but it doesn't have to be. Maybe we don't understand what prayer is. You know, we're having prayer on Sunday nights from 6 to 7, and by the way, that's not the only time you should pray. <laughs> you should, I, I'm hoping that you're going to take this message and start looking at it and say, you know what, if I haven't had a regular prayer time in my life, maybe it's time I need to start. And maybe it starts with five minutes. And then maybe it'll grow to 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I remember his name was Max McGlashan. I don't think anybody knows him. 
He was a kid. He lived in East Jordan. He was a he was a Max and Martha McGlashan. They used to go to this church when I was a kid. And um, they moved to Florida. And I remember we went stopped down at their house one time when we were as kids. I probably was, I don't know, 12, 13, 14. I have no idea how old it was. So I was with my parents. And we went to their house in Florida to see Max and Martha. We kind of stopped in maybe like normal without letting them know we were coming. <laughs> and uh, we got there and Martha welcomed us in. And, and uh, But she said, well, Max can't see you right now because he's in his prayer closet. I thought, wow, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon. They were retired. And Max had developed, and I never forgot this, Max had developed an appointment with God every day. It might have been three o'clock. I don't remember the time, but for an hour from three to four. And he told Martha, his wife, don't bother me. I'm with God. And so we showed up and Martha said, Max will be out at four o'clock. I don't bother him now. And that put it, that really struck a chord with me to think like, here's a man that was so convicted, convicted and yet passionate that he made an appointment with God and he wouldn't break it. Isn't that something? Now, I'm not saying we have to be that way, but I am saying, I am suggesting that we need to put prayer as a priority in our life, maybe like we haven't before, especially as we're getting closer to the end of time. Do you not know that the enemy is going to be stronger? He's going to come against us more, and the way we defeat him is on our knees. Jesus tells us in his parable to encourage us to always pray and not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dejected. Don't give in to cynicism that the world would offer when you pray. Don't allow the negativity of what's going on around us to impact your prayer time. So as we come in and pray on nights, uh, Sunday nights, I, I do encourage you to come in. And again, this is a time where come and go as you please. Maybe you're here for five minutes. Maybe you're here for half an hour. Maybe you're here for the hour. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. I'm not looking for that. But I'm looking for us to put the effort in. And maybe it's not here. Maybe it's someplace else. Again, you're not measuring to me. You're not answering to me. I'm not putting that pressure on at all. I'm just suggesting and I'm asking and I'm pleading that we do it someplace, somewhere, sometime. Because when you give your problems to God, it's amazing how he answers according to what's best for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this parable. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you've encouraged us to be persistent in our prayer time. And God, that you look at this and you are not in being in any way like the hard judge or unjust. You are not asking us to beg you. You're just simply wanting to hear our voice because you love us. And you want us to communicate with you. And the more we communicate to you with you, the more that you can shower us with your blessings. And so, Father, I do pray that we do that. And I do pray, God, that you will find faith with us. Lord, we can't control the world. We can't control many things in this world. The only thing we can control is ourselves, my attitude. So, Father, I do pray that when you do come back, whether it's at the rapture or the last breath that I take on this world, in this world, God, that you will find faith in me. And I will be a praying, faithful man. That's my heart's cry. That's my desire. And I pray that 
message is what this church hears as well. Lord, we are not in any way legalistic. That's not the point at all. It is all about just worshiping you. And we begin, we, we, we begin prayer by worship. And we end it in worship. And Lord, in between, we can request things. And we can listen. Most of prayer is just sitting listening to what you would speak back to us. Help us to be patient in it and persistent. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing. And let's uh, just seek him a little bit. Father, help us to take this song serious. Lord, help us to really uh, take the time and the persistence to get in and know you better. That the more we know you, the more we love you. The more time we spend with you, the more opportunity we have to hear your voice. Lord, that we really would settle into your presence. And just let you fill us with your goodness and your mercies and your grace. Protect us, I pray. Bring us back into better relationship with you, more relationship with you, and help us to be found faithful, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed.